Welcome back to What A Hit Sun. We are back after my return from Dubai, and to be honest, what an experience it was to watch sport out there. Uh, today, joining me to discuss the Champions League and Europa League football, we have Ru. Welcome back, Ru. Great to have you back on. Thanks, Kino. Yeah, uh, glad you had a good time in Dubai. It looked amazing. So, back to reality now and the, 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 whip, the rain and the, the cold weather, unfortunately. But sure, we have the rest of us have to sit and suffer, so... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like when I was when I was out there, uh it was 35, 36 degrees just before I left and now kind of I'm coming back. It's uh pissing with rain, it's about 10 degrees. It's just like I just want to be back in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> um suppose as well there's been a kind of we've had the Champions League kind of went on kind of while I was out there and then obviously coming back as well. So we, we, we said we'd kind of covered the, the Champions League and that today kind of just to, to reflect on what's happened, maybe some of the things kind of that we, we might think from it kind of from how certain teams did and that and where kind of that we also kind of covered the Europa League. I will briefly mention the, the Conference League as well. Um, but I suppose the the big thing to start is obviously with the Champions League. We've got a repeat of last year's semi-final to start off, which is Real Madrid and Man City. The first question I have to ask you is, do you think this is maybe a potential decider for who wins the Champions League this season? Oh, well, I think absolutely. In terms of what we said um, before, like they're the two teams we obviously predicted to go through to the the semi-finals, I think we said uh, when it comes to the final, it was the stronger side of the draw. So, um, obviously, we did get some surprises on the other side, but we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, I I do think um, I do think City are kind of in a better position and better equipped now this year um, to deal with Madrid, or whatever it is about Madrid. Like I don't necessarily yeah. think they were awfully impressive over the two legs against Chelsea. Um even the second leg especially, but they weren't overly impressive. They had against Liverpool, bar- apart from obviously that flurry in the start of the second half and the flurry just before half time in the first leg. And then second leg, they were, you know, uh, just did enough to, to get the win on the day. Um, but Liverpool never looked like, like scoring, did it unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I, look, I think, uh, I think City can be confident going into the game. Um, but especially with if they can keep Haaland fit over the rest of the, the rest of the season, I think he could be the difference. I think of all the competitions they have left, I actually think City's best chance is is the Champions League. Really, um, just hope for maybe Pep to to bottle it again and make some sort of mad decision. <laughs> yeah, I I do agree with you. I think with with Man City as well, it's it's one of those things. I think. What people might say is, you look at how much football they're playing. I think now lately, like obviously yesterday they had um, the FA Cup semi final, which they won comfortably. They had obviously on uh, the Champions League during the week, and then this Wednesday coming, um, you've got Arsenal and City in the, the league as well. Is there maybe? maybe with Man City with the amount of games they have to play like they've two games that still you have yet to be rearranged potentially um in the league obviously I think one for United and one and then obviously City's one against Brighton could there be a, a factor of maybe fatigue in the team for them 
being honest with you, no, purely on the basis of that, I think Pep is always so brilliant in terms of how he rotates the squad. He probably gets a lot of slack for he definitely get he definitely rubs people on the wrong way when it comes to fantasy Premier League perspective because you just never know what team he's gonna pick. But um yeah, no, I think he manages the squad really well and the depth and all players are kind of fit and fire and ready to go. So I suppose in that sense they can afford to have an injury here and there. I don't I, I do think obviously if they were to lose Haaland now at this time of season it'll probably have a massive impact. But um he seems to be managing pretty well. Like it's been a couple of games. Uh excuse me where they're um like he's been taken off at half time, he got took taken off of the league. Not this weekend, the, the obviously last weekend he got taken off at half time to save him for the, the Champions League game. Um so midweek and I think he went off kinda of earlier yesterday as well. So once the game was kind of sewn up. Um so yeah, I think I I think Pep's managed the squad really well. You still have the likes of Foden who who's had a couple of injuries this year that's kinda of coming back now, so he should be available for kind of the run in. That's a massive boost for them. Um so yeah, look. it's funny because the Madrid team, um Obviously, they've got some amazing players, um, but they've quite, quite, kind of a few, I would say, average players in certain positions, and they're not a team that necessarily blows you away over ninety minutes. But it's like, just they have these moments, and they just find this way to get results, and you just wonder. Now the league is more or less gone for them um, as well, so you, their all their focus is going to be on the the Champions League. So it'll be interesting to see in the league matches in between. Will will Ancelotti kind of rest key players ready to keep them sharp for the Champions League matches. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think kind of you look obviously as the at league unless Barcelona have an absolute nightmare and literally explode, um, or implode as as they say, they um they're literally not a chance really of losing the title. Um, I think kind of with Madrid, I totally agree with you in regards to, I think that when you look at their squad, you've got the likes of Benzema, Modric, Tony Cruz and that. But then again, there are some certain players maybe in that team, maybe where certain positions, maybe they're not as strong as well. Um, and obviously certain players maybe who are coming towards the latter stages of their career. So you do wonder kind of, will that start to show in performances? Now, it looks like with Luka Modric, he could be playing for the rest of his life. Nearly, he seems to, to never <laughs> never put in a bad performance, which is which is mad um, to see. Um, I suppose then kind of, what do you see in this? Obviously, this Real Madrid team is one of the most successful teams in the, his, the history of Champions League, I suppose, within the last five to ten years nearly with the amount of Champions League they've won, which it's just ridiculous. Um, what is it with them and the Champions League? Why do they always seem to perform at the Champions League? Like, What do you think, in your opinion, causes them them to just have the, the talent to, to get themselves over the line, even when maybe they might not be performing as well in the game? Yeah, I don't know. It's just like I said, it's the, the, the it's ability to create moments or, you know, rise to the occasion. They never seem to be flustered or panic. Like, obviously, that first leg in Liverpool, the first 20 minutes, Liverpool blew them away. Uh, and it could have been 3 or 4 nil, Um And yet, they somehow got it back to, to 2 all. 
um, to the point where Liverpool are going to the dressing room at half time, not understanding how they're leading, and then quickly second half it's they're three two down, soon to be four two. So, um, but I don't know. I think they're they have this kind of relentlessness as well that they know when to sense when a team is vulnerable and when to kind of pounce on it. Um, and they've just got such street smart players and the likes of Modric and Kroos and Benzema, and they're just wily, so experienced. With kind of wise beyond their years now, and uh, in comparison to the opponents, that they just, yeah, they just sense out the opportunities. Um, and I'll be honest with you, they couldn't really have a better fit and manager in terms of Ancelotti is one. I think he's the only manager to win multiple Champions Leagues with two different teams. Um, obviously with AC Milan famously, and then with um, with Madrid as well. So look, he's um. They're, they're like you probably would have said start the season they were probably still favourites to potentially retain it and it's funny because you look at certain players like the Schumann was one of France's best players at the at the Euros and he can't start in that eleven at the moment he's not first choice um Camavinga is obviously in there um Camavinga played left full against Chelsea in the first leg and he was one of the best players on the pitch he was outstanding um so. Like I can understand potentially why he can't get in that team, but it's a it's a real testament to some of the players they have there. Um, I'm like that. That's by far the standout tie. Although we have a very good tie on the other side of the draw, which is compelling for a load of other reasons. But um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to the especially the first leg and see can see kind of how how tactical it is, or will it be like last season and be end to end with loads of goals. Yeah, I suppose then kind of the other thing uh, from obviously that quarterfinal of the, is obviously the other team I think that w- we need to speak about is obviously <laughs> Todd Bowley FC, um, as is pretty much known as, or obviously Chelsea. Um, pretty much right now when you look at them um, is under free fall. Um, is, is the only way I can describe it. Can't Can't seem to really score a goal. Can't seem to really get a win. Um, what do you think is going wrong wrong in that club really right now? Like you, you obviously you saw Tuchel got sacked. Then they bring in Potter. Potter's got sacked. They've brought in Lampard as interim, and even for Lampard, it just nothing's going right really for them. Yeah, look, there's a, just the the recruitment in that club and the way it's been run is just bad from. From start to finish, really, um, I just don't think the model is sustainable. Um, it seems to be a real scattergun approach to everything, and yeah, some of the decisions that are being made from the the, the hierarchy of the key people at the club just is all over the place, and it's not doing them any uh, any favor. So, um, yeah, I I I actually think at times they they played well midweek. Um, but at the same time, they never look like scoring. They create these chances, but there's no confidence in them scoring. And I still feel had had they somehow got a goal or two, feel like Madrid. You know, Madrid were very much in second or third gear all night, um, and still managed to win the game two 0 So you just wonder, um, Madrid potentially would have raised their level to had they needed to, but they didn't need to because it was very comfortable in that sense. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think kind of. Looking at this Chelsea team, like you look at what they've brought in, like you've brought in Mudrick, who 
was looked like a great talent young player obviously Arsenal were close to signing him right now as an Arsenal fan I'm glad we didn't sign him Richie looking at him he doesn't really look like the talent really or settled in in that Chelsea side you've got Enzo Fernandez, who a lot of pundits as well after I think his last few performances were very unimpressed really to what they've seen at the the World Cup. And then you've got obviously their attacking just their attacking presence really isn't really as existent as maybe it had been in previous seasons and maybe that is something that they'll have to work on. But when you look at this Chelsea side and you look, obviously, at what Bowley's done, do you think many players would want to go in there at the moment when you know you're not going to probably be in European football next season? Um, it's in a full kind of rebuild process. Um, there's a lot to do kind of with this team. Yeah, and that's something we've seen some of the managers that have been obviously linked and some of the managers that have already pulled out. So, uh Lewis, excuse me. Um, Lewis Enrique obviously is um, has pulled out. Nangas has pulled out. Funnily enough, Chelsea are trying to make it out as if it was their decision that he wasn't experienced enough. This is a man that's won um, multiple or well, yeah, multiple league titles. Obviously, at Bayern, he's got the Champions League semi finals. Has got the Champions League. Has he got to a European final at uh, Leipzig, or did he? Um, can't remember, but like he's in, he he he's done extremely well. Um, at obviously at Salzburg before that as well. So I think that's very harsh on um Bayern. They've obviously got a good manager in Tuchel, but it's not going well for them. They lost again yesterday, and they were comprehensively beaten by City across two legs. Um, looked very very poor. Despite obviously creating a lot of good chances in that first leg, um, causing City problems, but once City got the goal, they just you know it was that they completely changed the the tie, um, and they looked fairly comfortable from there on in. So, yeah, I don't know. It's um interesting. Like they're being they're they're saying they're linking now with Vincent Company, although mentioning concerns about the level of experience. But if you're gonna but if the if you're if you're led to believe what Chelsea are uh, reporting in terms of that Nangosman's experience was an issue, why would you even be considering someone like Vincent Company who hasn't even managed in the top league in the country? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. like not to take away from the achievement of Vincent Company this year because I think Burnley have been brilliant and played a lovely brand of football. But it, it's one thing to be doing in the Championship, but you have to see what he does next season in the Premier League, give himself an opportunity to do it at the highest level, um, at the top league in the country, and then you can kind of go from there, obviously, if clubs want to make that decision. But, um, yeah, well, yeah, it's strange. I'm curious as to whether Poch is interested or not. I'd be very surprised um, if he wanted to go to Chelsea haven't worked at Spurs but um, like, would you go back and go for someone like Conte at the same time I don't think Conte would want to work with someone like Ted Bowley but would you take him for a season or two like he's more than capable of doing it over a short period of time um, yeah. and with that squad there he'd wonder although 
the key thing for the key thing for Chelsea is sign a striker. So does Lukaku come back from loan, or like did they just sell him and and replace him with someone else? Because uh, that's been the key the key problem all season. I I in my opinion, I think Lukaku will come back next season. I think he'll play for Chelsea. Um, just realistic because I don't see many teams wanting to come in for him. He's not been as strong or performer at Inter Milan, and obviously he's getting to the latter stages of his career that maybe teams will want to take a risk maybe maybe on him kind of so maybe Chelsea might might give him a chance and see how how he plays obviously as well there's definitely going to be a big summer clear out in that team um because obviously financially uh for financial fair play in that with them having spent 600 million on on players they're going to have to sell quite a lot to to even fall into the, the whole financial side but sure we, we don't know what will happen and to be honest I'm actually loving seeing Chelsea <laughs> play p- perform very badly uh, like Spurs and uh, and falling away because it just just shows that Arsenal are just playing out of their skin this season which is great um, as well you, you also mentioned obviously Bayern Munich um who, as as you said, they were very poor across two legs, really, against Man City, which I thought Bayern would give them a good run for their money, really. Um, Obviously, then we the whole incident with Sadio Mane punching Sané, which I think is a bit of a farce just in regards to the punishment he was getting, and apparently now Bayern wanted to sell him in the summer now because of the whole incident. Just really shows how... um. Bayern really stick to their kind of German players really in their team and any kind of outsider that any punishment that they're, they're happy to get rid of really um he I suppose he hasn't really settled in into that Bayern team when you look at it either has he well like I had a quick look at the stats there he's averaging a goal or assist every second game um across all competitions so like he's not necessarily started a lot under um under Tuchel so far, although he did start the weekend and he did score, um, although Bayern did lose in the end uh, 3-1. But, um, yeah, look, I, I think... Uh, see, the funny thing is, everyone was quick to say how much Liverpool are missing Mane this season, but when you look at it, I, I feel like Mane has been on the decline for the last two seasons. The stats kind of back that up. Um, I don't think he has the same level of explosive pace or... Um, you know, ability to press that he did. Um, previously there was obviously glimpses of it, but um, yeah, I um, I'm not so sure. So I think there was always going to be a certain level of of decline based on what he did at Liverpool. Um, just a side note here: we have Brighton obviously playing United in the the FA Cup here, and Brighton look look very good on the break. A lot of um, a lot of tired players on the pitches, loads of substitutions, but a full uh, half of extra time to go. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. We'll keep the viewers posted for the for the podcast episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, hopefully Brighton uh, beat United. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, I suppose then, kind of the other thing then, uh, as we've spoken about, obviously one side of the draw, and uh, as you mentioned before, we've got an interesting draw in uh, the other side which is Milan AC Milan and Inter Milan both Milan teams who play in the same venue 
Um, so both both games <laughs> will be in the same venue, which is it, it's mad to think that you're going to have a semi-final with both games played in the same stadium, um, which we've been lucky to visit. And it is a, a, a nice stadium, but uh, definitely needs a bit of a redoing. But uh, were you surprised, obviously, with who, who got through in regards to, obviously, AC Milan getting through over Napoli? Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, the, the, especially the first leg, 1-0. I know AC had beaten Napoli away in the league a couple of weeks before that had been announced um, that they were obviously going to play each other in the quarterfinals. Um, but, yeah, I was surprised by kind of how comfortable it was for Milan. I know Napoli in the second leg had their chances to think their keeper play. Magnon played very well. Um, but obviously there was a couple of key instances like you had the penalty that was saved um, by Magnon. Obviously a big, you know, big moment in the tie. Eventually Napoli did get one laid on, but they ran out of time then to get a second. But you just wonder, they really need to score that penalty to put the pressure on AC and, you know, make sure AC tried to hang out. Oh, what an absolute save there, but he, Sanchez just keeps out Rashford. Um yeah, look, I I'm obviously very surprised. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure I said Benfica potentially over the two legs with Inter as well and um they looked a lot better in the second leg, but Inter were very comfortable in that first leg. Um and then obviously got that goal early um in the San Siro. And then we're able to, I mean, you know, Benfica came back, but then they went 3 1 up. Obviously, the tie was gone, and a couple of late goals for Benfica kind of flattered them overall with the result. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be tasty now, a tasty, a tasty derby. Um, not seeing anything like that for, for a long time. So, um, but you'd have to think, regardless, whoever. The Italians have done very well in Europe this season. Like you look across multiple competitions. I'll obviously mention the Europa League in a while, but um, you'd have to think Ita- Italian football is maybe coming back um, a little bit, which is good to see after being so strong, especially in the in the nineties and, and early two thousands. Yeah, no, I I, I do agree. Um, I think I, I'm on the same fence as you. I was very surprised. Obviously, I predicted Napoli to win the whole Champions League. I think kind of in the in the last episode, kind of that that we did on this, um, and I was very surprised to see. I think how AC Milan were able to to overcome them really over the the two legs. They really went against against um, most people's I think predictions. And they were able to hold on. Good performance, as you said, by Magnon for the, the save of the penalty. And I think what was key as well was, obviously, Oshiman was missing for the first leg. And I think Napoli left themselves with a lot wor- lot of work to do from, obviously, the first leg and, and not getting a, um, a good result or getting a goal or two maybe to, to help push them. And... AC Milan obviously did the work in the first leg really and, and were able to kind of keep themselves ahead and, and get that win really. Um, that means, I think Inter as well, I think when you look at the two of them, I think AC looked the strongest of the two. I think Inter Milan, I know um, they scored three in uh, the, the, the game against Benfica, but I think in the league I was seeing up until recently they had went five times in a row without scoring in the league so 
of the two, AC Milan look the strongest as of late with some some lovely players in that in that team as well. So you would think maybe AC Milan do have probably are the favourites of the two teams, but then again, it's a Milan derby. Anything anything can happen really in it. Um, and I'm actually really looking forward to it because I think it will be a, a very fiery kind of um, semi-final kind of uh, for, for the Champions League as well. Yeah, like, um, like it's, it's especially when you get to the latter stage like that, obviously, especially with City, you're going to have to to manage the squad well, but you just wonder it's it's hard to and I suppose that's the that's the kind of um the problems you want kind of later in the season um like you look at the two Italian sides they're not going they're not really uh obviously the title is gone um I'm pretty sure AC need to um to do a little bit just to to kind of make Europe um rather than Inter but um. Obviously, Madrid don't really need to worry about that in terms of qualifying for next season. They're they're comfortably second, and uh, I think they're eleven points yeah. behind Barca. So, um, like I said, I think the title is gone for them. But obviously, City need to to are in with a great chance of winning the league title and potentially the treble here after winning yesterday in the their semi final. So, um, obviously, we'll play the winner of Brighton and, and United. Um, so yeah, you just um. It's it's in troll and stuff. I'm, I'd say, it's very hard to call the 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 Italian derby. But I I still think um just based on what we've seen this season, although City always find a way to surprise people or to disappoint um later on, um I would expect across the two legs that City will find a way to do it and kind of um, you know, wrong wrong the or make up for the. The shock last season of losing so late on. Yeah, no, I, I do, I do agree. Um, and it is, it is, it's one of those things. I think you look at it, and will these these two teams maybe? They're obviously both Milan teams are going to be the underdogs. I think in this story because everyone's going to be more focused on. I think the the other semi final between Madrid and, and Man City. And you would say both Milan teams are dark horses, maybe in in this thing, because you never know what the the performance they c- could put in, obviously in in the Champions League. And AC Milan obviously have a have a great history in the early two thousands of of winning Champions Leagues. Like when you look back at some of the players they had, like Shevchenko, Kaká in in their primes, uh, Crespo as well and then obviously Inter Milan when they won it I think it was 2010 when they won it with Mourinho, Mourinho as well um, was another kind of very good successful side so they have a history of, of causing upsets um, in the Champions League and it's going to be one of those I think most exciting um, Champions League kind of semi-finals to watch um, of, of all of them I suppose Absolutely, yeah, and I, like if I hope anything like last season, hopefully we get loads of goals, which is what you want. We don't want. As for I have a feeling the the Italian, as we know, the Italian game could be quite tactical and intense, so it'll be interesting to see will that be, or it could be very feisty too. There could be plenty of uh, 
of yellows and reds as well. Yeah, you never know, but um, yeah. it could be you know tight games with one 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 goal here or there, um, maybe even a couple of draws or something. Uh, sending it to extra time and potentially penalties. Um, as well as I think I think the Madrid um uh, City game will be a lot more open. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um. I suppose then we move on to obviously the Europa League is is the other competition that um is very um looks pretty much interesting just looking at who's who's in who's left in the competition. I suppose we'll start with one of the most um surprising results just in regards to a lot of people believe they'd go through just with how they were performing in the Europa the Europa League as of late, but obviously Man United crashed out, um, which was great to see them crash out. Um, do you think the loss of uh, certain key defenders um, was a bit had a big impact on obviously their performance in the second leg, um, or whether maybe they they thought they just needed to show up and win? Maybe w- were they? not ready for the occasion um being honest with you look the first game was kind of a bit of a freak in terms of it happens like it's kind of like liverpool against uh madrid in that first half in the first leg yeah liverpool were by far the better team and somehow went in a half time 2-2 united left that game somehow 2-2 after 90 minutes when it realistically should have the tie should have been over um they were by far the better team. They had, they had, you know, had chances to, to kill the, the tie off, and unfortunately they missed them, and that was really what cost them in the end. Obviously the injuries did not help, and it all can seem to be kind of compounded, um, with that. So yes, I think the Martinez lost, and then Varane being injured. Obviously Bruno was missing for the second leg then as well, um. So yeah, I um. I'm um, oh, I'm definitely surprised by just the manner of the second leg. I did have a feeling Sevilla could get something out of the tie. However, um, I didn't expect him to be that kind of one-sided or comprehensive. Um, and you, as a United fan, you'd have to be severely disappointed with how they kind of imploded, really, um, in that second leg. Yeah. I do think kind of when you look at it, I think just some of the performances really showed, especially in that defence. Like Harry Maguire, I think, really showed, I think, his lack, lack of first-team football this season in that United team, Um, just in regards to the communication with De Gea for one of the goals and that. It, it just really, in general, that, that team's performance. And I think De Gea as well had a nightmare, really, in that game. Um, I just think overall, no one expected, uh, as you said, United to implode that that much in regards to it. It just literally looked like Sevilla were were re- were ready to take it. And I suppose the other thing you could say is Sevilla were showing their history of how successful they've been in in the the Europa League um, in the last kind of five to ten years as well, being the one of the most successful teams in the history of the Europa League. Um, I, yeah, well, I th- I think Sevilla and Europa League is like Madrid and the Champions League, isn't it? You can nearly just make that comparison in terms of they just continue to defy uh, all sorts yeah. of you know um, form or statistics or whatever to just they get over the line. It's even 
when you look at Sevilla in the league, they're in the bottom half of the Spanish league, and yet they can go into the Europa League and they can perform the way they have been. It's just incredible to see a team consistently do that. They, no matter how they're they're playing in in their their own league, they seem to just always throw out these performances, which is is just incredible. Yes, yeah, the beauty of cup competitions really is just throw like league form like that just really does doesn't play any you know relevance at all. Um, and I suppose in that sense, from a severe perspective, they can focus purely on the the cup competitions now as well to be or, or on the Europa League because they they aren't they haven't really got any chance of of salvaging anything with their league form so you can obviously without obviously threat then like i don't think they're a threat of getting relegated uh, but um yeah so they, that's obviously potentially their avenue to get back into europe next season as well so um yeah. i'm sure they'll sure they'll put um they'll go all out for that yeah exactly um I suppose then, obviously, Sevilla now uh, have an interesting tie in, in the, the semi-final with Juventus, who obviously beat um, Sporting Lisbon, who beat Arsenal uh, 2-1 over uh, two legs. Um, I suppose the first question I have just on Juventus is obviously the whole league fiasco with this whole they were docked 15 points and now all of a sudden they've been given back their 15 points um do you see maybe something happening with them maybe getting a punishment um with uh for next season from uefa maybe that even if they go on and win this that they might not even be able to play in the champions league or that next season but to be honest with you i'm not sure on the, the, the jurisdictions or whether they're you know, um, they can be done by UEFA in that sense for any kind of breaches. I know they were obviously fraudulent in terms of their their accounting, but um, it was the it was the Italian authorities that went after them, really. So um, I'm I'm surprised. I, I don't really understand how you can deduct fifteen points and then reinstate it, but. Um, yeah, well, obviously, big result for them. I didn't fancy them over two legs just on what we've seen this season against Sporting. I expected Sporting, considering how good they were, and um, obviously they knocked out Arsenal and how good they've been across European competitions this season. I thought um, they'd they'd um, they'd win over two legs, but Juventus surprised us. Um, so yeah, I don't like. I don't really know in terms of what they're capable of being done. You like you'd like to think. Look, they have a history of bending the rules. Um, but if you consider what um UEFA went after City, and how City kind of got away with all their stuff, um, with a slap in the wrist, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be too confident. Um, in uh, UEFA really doing an awful lot to be honest with you. No, I agree with you, and I it will be interesting to see what what happens, obviously down the line with with this whole side, and and to see if anything. I suppose then uh, talking on the the, the football inside, when you look obviously at uh, Juventus, obviously with some of the players that they have in in their squad, obviously you've got Angel uh, Di Maria, who's been who's won Champions Leagues in with Madrid and that. Um, obviously, it was a surprise move seeing him go to Juventus. You've obviously got Dusan Vlahovic, who um, has been rumoured with 
a lot of teams in the Premier League and across Europe, kind of with how young and a talent he, he is. You've got obviously Federico Chiesa, who's kind of a standout player who's been kind of in and out of the squad really this season with injuries and that. Can you see maybe Juventus going all the way maybe and, and, and getting um, the win? If I'm being honest, look, I've obviously made bad predictions with quarters, but no, um, I think Sevilla will will do it, but because um, Sevilla will get themselves to another final and potentially, I don't know whether they win it now, but they'll obviously have a very good chance. Um, but yeah, I, I, if going to head, I, I'd be, I'd be, oh, and a woeful free kick from United there, three minutes to go at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not overly confident on um, on Juventus again. Um, if I'm wrong again, I I'll have to learn my lesson for a third time lucky. But um, yeah, I I still fancy Sevilla over two legs. Yeah, no, I do as well. Like looking at how kind of Juventus have performed this season already, I I don't think they're as strong a side as they have been. Um, I do think Sevilla have shown really the class of their their football really. And I do think I agree with you in regards. To, I think Sevilla can go pretty much all the way and potentially win it. Obviously, then we look at the other side of the draw, and you've got two very strong teams, and obviously um, a reunion of Xabi Alonso and uh, Mourinho. Obviously, Xabi Alonso. I suppose we have to start with Xabi Alonso. When he came in, he did the exact same as what Unai Emery has done at Aston Villa. He came in to Bayern Leverkusen. They were 17th in the league, uh, looking close up to being relegated. And since he's come in now, they've gone up to like third or fourth in, in the German league and look a completely different side. Um, obviously, his, his coaching really has um, re- reignited the flame with Bayern Leverkusen, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely! And look, he's shown uh, he's done a a, a a massive achievement to where the club was and where where he's out. It was a I'm gonna say he was in, was in around 16th or something or in around yeah, there. And, yeah, and they're um, they're currently sixth in the table at the moment. So their chance of obviously qualifying for Europe again with an outside chance of potentially getting um, Champions League as well, which would be some achievement considering where they were. So um, look, it's great to see another brilliant player starting to you know showcase um an ability as a manager as well um yeah so obviously I'd like to see him do well coming up against the uh, a european veteran in, in in jose so um we'll see kind of uh how that goes i do fancy um do fancy rome obviously they got quite lucky in the end uh, a late the ball a goal to send it to extra time and then they kind of pulled away um the uh, the other team ran out of gas really but um yeah, no, uh, I think I picked Roma to win it. So, um, well, um, that's a that's a tasty toy, especially over two legs. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I suppose then kind of looking at Mourinho, obviously, and, and um, Roma. Um, can you see uh, Mourinho winning back-to-back European competitions and, and going up from... Um, your conference league up to to Europa League wins, um, and maybe go one further. He'll go and maybe join another club and go win a, a Champions League and do three in a row. 
kind of in progression. Yeah, I, well, I, I'll be honest with you, I think if he, regardless of whatever happens, I do think he'll be at Roma next season. I think he's obviously got quite a good relationship with the fans there and they really, you know, it's a real footballing um, country with a real, a real loyal fan base as well. They've obviously had some brilliant players over the years and famously Francesco Totti, I'm sure he'd love to be playing under someone like Mourinho and potentially win something with Roma. So, um, no, it's great to see. Obviously, got some great players there. Got a great signing in Dybala in the summer. Um, obviously, Tommy Abraham's done very well there, and he's just got a he he's got them all working really well together. Um, I am uh, I do look forward to kind of seeing that semi final. I think that'll probably be one of the better ones to watch potentially. Well, I suppose both games are 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 both ties are enticing. Um, I think the. The only probably maybe issue for Roma is they are playing at home first, so if they weren't able to potentially get get away with a, a positive result, it would make it a little bit more of a challenge because it is always, especially in semi-final stages, it's always of a benefit to be playing the second tie um, at home if you can. Um, so yeah, we'll um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I suppose kind of who out of out of the four teams, who would you who who would you look at as maybe being the the favourites, or maybe which side of the draw is, is the favourite side? Hmm. Yeah, that's tough. I, I, because I, I, yeah, I, I still think it's very open. Like I said, I obviously overall I fancy Roma, uh, just with the Mourinho factor, but um. I think they're two very. I think it's like I think it's very competitive semi finalists, and I think it's very competitive. Like all four could potentially win it, no problem. Um, but like I'm saying, if you're asking me to pick one team potentially to win it overall, I'd be picking Roma. But I can I think compared to even the um, I think like if Roma say for example were to play Juventus or Roma play um Sevilla, I don't think it's a very clear favourite in the final as for in the Champions League for example you have City or Madrid whoever wins that is going to be a strong favourite in the final against either AC or Inter if that makes sense yeah no I, I do agree with you uh, it's it's going to be an interesting I think kind of whoever wins it I don't think you'll be you'll be surprised with because of how strong that both semi-finals are really who whoever wins it kind of are more than deserving because of all four teams you could give a reason why they deserve to win it really yeah. um on it and um, because of how strong it is and as you said i think when you look at it compared to maybe the champions league um you have a reasoning really for all four teams to win it there really over kind of maybe the champions league um and I'm actually looking forward to seeing both both semi-finals because I just think it's just going to be very enjoyable to watch the two of them, um, to see kind of the the level of talent in in all teams. Um, some lovely players, obviously, as you said, you got like Roma, you've got Dybala, you've got Diaby for Leverkusen. Um, obviously Sevilla, you've got the likes of Rakitic and that who've been performing for them. Obviously Juventus have got the likes of Vlahovic who've been linked with every as i mentioned every club nearly in the premier league of the the big six nearly um and i'm thoroughly looking forward to it um i suppose then briefly we'll look at obviously the conference league you've got um 
the semi-finals now is West Ham AZ Alkmaar. Obviously, Jimmy must be over the moon at the moment seeing West Ham do doing it, the business in Europe. And then you've got Fiorentina Basel. Um, would you say maybe West Ham are probably the favourites merely with just the performances they've been putting in Europe really this season? I'm being honest with you, no. I actually think I said Alkmaar could potentially do the business or Fiorentina. Um, yeah. But the, prob- the good thing for West Ham is they've they've really picked up some momentum kind of domestically because of the results in, in, in the European competitions. Like, obviously, won again today. They won comfortably against the Bournemouth side who at home and who had, you know, some serious form going into that game. Uh, had won three in the bounce. Um, obviously, beat Liverpool, beat Spurs. Um, to to beat Everton was it? I'm not sure. Was it one of the other games? But um, you, you know they had a lot of momentum, and West Ham won four 0 You know comfortably. So I think they're getting a lot of confidence from it. So they're away first. So the second leg will be at home, which obviously they'll be delighted about. Um, so yeah, look, they have a great chance. It'd be some achievement to get to a final. Um, and obviously with the season that they have, they it's a huge club. West Ham really got a huge stadium. Um. You know, it'd be nice to see an English side like that do well in Europe and potentially get to a final. I think someone like David Moyes, it'd be nice to see him actually win something. Um, he's not had an awful lot of success as a manager, and obviously the best, great, the best opportunity he did have, um, he got let go pretty early. Um, so yeah, but it, like if you're asking me to pick potentially a winner, I don't think I'd be picking West Ham to win it overall. Yeah, yeah, I suppose as well. Looking at obviously seeing Basel in the semi final final as well. They've they've been um very doing very good kind of in their history really. They've they've always done very well in European competitions and getting to knockout stages and that. Obviously seeing them in a, in a semi final, I, I suppose it's great to see when you look at the history of talent that Basel has kind of brought up through their their academy kind of and things. You look at some of the, even the players that played for them, like was it Mo Salah was with them at one stage. You've got obviously Granit Xhaka, you've, you've several players thing. And they are quite a young squad as well that maybe we could see maybe a Swiss side cause an upset here and, and obviously winning some European success. Yeah, look, it's been a long time since Basel were somewhere like that in the European competition, so it's great to see. Yeah, so I had some great players over the years, um, and Switzerland have are starting to really produce a lot of uh, of young, you know, young talent as well. Um, a lot of Swiss players come, you know, come through those leagues and eventually make their way into Europe, um, and to bigger teams. So yeah, um, interesting. I think that's a tricky tie. I would fancy Fiorentina, um, but obviously. You know, Basel did knock out uh, Nice, so that wouldn't be bad for him either. Yeah, exactly. And and then as you said, AZ Alkmaar. I think this is the this is one of the reasons why I, I love I think this competition is just you're looking there, you see AZ Alkmaar from the Netherlands, you're seeing obviously Basel there from, from Switzerland. Two countries that um haven't had recent um success in Europe. Um, and potentially could bring success. Um, like you look, obviously for uh, obviously Basel kind of were very good, kind of in the early years, kind of the early two thousands, and that they were getting far and kind of uh, the UEFA Cup and that. And then you obviously it obviously ne- uh, the last Netherlands side that were really successful, obviously was was Ajax. So could 
would it be nice? Would you prefer to see someone like maybe Az Al- Alkmaar or or Basel maybe win win this trophy over kind of the, the other two sides in here? Um, like I said, like I wouldn't begrudge any of the four teams really. Um, like I said, if I have a preference, I'd probably pick West Ham just because I like. I think David Moyes deserves some sort of success in his career. He's been a great manager. I think he's got an awful lot of stick this year, and I think he suffered because of the lack of the squad size. I know they, they did buy quite a few players in the summer, but they hadn't necessarily gelled in yet. Um, and I think they suffered because of the excerpts of last season. Um, I think that caused them to kind of, you know, struggle towards a lot of the start of the season. But they're starting to pick up a little bit of form now. And I, I'm sure they'll, they'll finish the season strongly. Uh, Liverpool are playing them away next week, next weekend, or, next, or during the week, um, which will be a very tricky game. Uh, been a tough place the London Stadium is always a tough place to go as we've seen and as Arsenal know in recent times as well so um, so yeah we'll um, but yeah I think I, if I had a preference I'd definitely love to see West Ham win to be honest yeah 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 and it, it, I'm I probably am in the same boat as you and I've said it to Jimmy it'd be nice to see West Ham win it because I think West Ham are one a big side in in London, and I think kind of just this season really, it's been a a very difficult season. I think for for their squad, obviously, with how the league performances ha, have kind of come together compared to what they were doing last season, and um, with getting far in in uh, European competition as well, and and then just maybe not being as strong really in in, in other aspects. Um, but look, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I think one thing we can agree across the three competitions is European football is looking as strong as ever. Absolutely, look, it's been a great year for European football, and there've been loads of of good games and loads of good goals. So I'm sure we'll have plenty to discuss between now and then. Yeah, but uh, I suppose this is probably the best place to to finish off for anyone obviously listening. Manchester United are. In, and Brighton have gone to penalties, so uh, we'll be Rory and I will probably be watching it straight after the, the podcast recording. Anyway, um, looks like no one's no one's going to to miss at the moment. Um, some great penalties we're seeing already. Um, but I suppose thank you so much for joining me as always for today's podcast episode, Rue. Yeah, thanks, Keno. Enjoy this, and we're going to enjoy this penalty shoot. Come on, Brighton. Perfect. And we'll be doing uh, obviously our next episode of the podcast, hopefully in the next week or two. Um, and we'll be reflecting on the Premier League, um, the title race, the top four, and the relegation battles, which will be hopefully within the next week there'll be plenty more to discuss and hopefully some positives for Arsenal. Fingers crossed. Um, and I'll be I'll be going to the match on Wednesday, so hopefully it'll be an Arsenal win. But um, until next time, I've been Kian Sammy Mar, and this has been. What a hit, son.